The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Howdy, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Cowboy Van Lee. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is something no one has ever said to me before or called me before. But here we are with the Nasty Cast. We're back. And guess what? We've been pretty depressed for a while. So we're no longer depressed when it comes to baseball because a new CBA is in place. We're going to have baseball coming up on April 7th of next month. Excited for it. And it's not just me being excited. We also have Koopa the Cat and Brian Vaughn. How excited are you guys? Oh, we are doing great. I, I'll be known as the deputy today, uh, given your title. And, Sheriff and the deputy, yep. Uh, Koopa, he's just kind of his own thing. But yes, my cat Koopa is in my lap, ready to provide cutting-edge baseball analysis. With his big old wide head, and boy, I wish he would meow, because it's just the girliest little cat meow. It's so sweet, <laughs> and it does not fit his dense frame. No. Speaking of dense frames, we also have Ron Rigney with us today, but it's not dense as in like blubber. It's dense as in pure, like steel hardened in the forge of man. And that's Ron Rigney. <laughs> I, I definitely do a lot of forging, that's for sure. So a couple things here. Number one, I wanted to start out, you know, we are excited for baseball. We got the baseball back today. Free agency can start as, as early as like right now. We could be having signings as we speak here. So that means that it could be as early as tonight as my raise are able to sign Freddie Freeman to be the first baseman. So I that, want it exciting. to happen. That is so, so bad. exciting. Um, now, there's so, been talk of that, but was was what was no, the deal with it? What's the, the story? The only thing I saw was one sentence that they made him an offer. So oh, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just being an optimistic race. They were fan. like it's two years yeah. and and eighteen million. <laughs> <laughs> so question for you guys. I had to I had to do something. I had to run an errand after after work today and it required that I go to the mall. So there's a there's a little story behind <laughs> this, but I wanted to ask you, when is the last time you have actually been to the mall? Well oh my uh, okay, so I did DoorDash for a bit, and I had okay. to pick something up the mall, and that was miserable. But right. that was one time for like five minutes I got in and got out. Prior to that, it's yeah. been, I don't know, five, six, seven years, Brian? I would say it's, I, uh, well, I would say at least five, six years, yeah, something like that. It was yeah. right around when I had first moved to Pennsylvania because I was like, what are, what's a mall like? Uh, and then I went once and that was that cause it was still like a mall. <laughs> yeah. So, so as I get a little bit older, I find myself out in my yard yelling at the sky and yelling at kids to get off my lawn more often than not. And so sure, I, I go to the mall and it annoys the hell out of me and I had to go in there for something today. And so as I'm walking through the mall, I notice that you guys remember Spencer's. Yeah. Oh yeah, Spencer's yeah. is still a thing, and I had no idea wow. that it what was about still Gad's a thing. Dukes? <laughs> I did not. I didn't see Gadzooks. I did. I did see a hot topic, but I went. So <laughs> with with Spencer's, I went in Spencer's just you know to see see what what was in there, and I was very upset because I didn't I didn't see any at all Big Johnson t shirts, <laughs> and I didn't see any coed naked t shirts either. I was very upset Shame. about this, but what I did end up with is I brought home a pretty sweet lava lamp. Ooh. And a pretty sweet black light Bart Simpson poster today. <laughs> yeah. Did you get any kind of greeting cards that are like just <laughs> people in various stages of disrobing? You know, I was so upset with it with the lack of t-shirt selection. I I, I could have because my wife's birthday is coming up in about a week. I could have got her a very quality birthday card there. So it might force <laughs> me to make my second trip to the mall in in about a two week span. 
When I was a kid, I would try and sneak my way into Spencer's because I knew there was a chance I could see some boobs, yes. but it didn't always pan out. But <laughs> now, no, didn't they, Spencer gifts. Didn't they have one of those electricity conducting orbs? Yes. Yes. Where you touch it and your hair stands on end? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'd love to try that now that my hair is longer. <laughs> and see how wacky it is. Wacky, an orb, which is full of electricity. <laughs> oh. All right. Baseball's well, that's very back. Cool. Base, welcome to baseball talk. Well, we are going to be talking baseball and largely, hopefully, getting to a more traditional schedule as we release stuff because there's stuff to talk about. It was just too depressing for a while. Today, we are, of course, finishing up with outfielders. We talked outfielders inside the top 20 on our last episode. We'll be talking about outfielders outside of the top 20. Wow, what a concept. Guess you never would have guessed that. But before we do, let's just talk this uh, CBA agreement. MLB and MLBPA agreed to a deal today. They have to dot some T, dot some I's or cross some T's or whatever. So it's not completely done, but we pretty much know it is all but done. And we are on track for an opening day of April 7th, about a month from now. So, Ron, what are your initial thoughts here? Does anything change for you in player evaluations, knowing that we're largely going to have the f- same full season? We're starting a little bit later. Just what do you think of this? I mean, the main two things that it changes is, and we've talked about this as well, is with the the official adoption of the uh, universal DH, it does open up a few jobs for a few guys that we may not have necessarily had use for. I think it definitely makes the Kyle Schwarber market a little bit more attractive as far as where he goes. And and just now that we finally, because you know, I see a lot of people on Twitter doing NFBC drafts, and Van, you talked about this, I think last last time we recorded. You know, people out there drafting players and we don't know where some of these guys are at. There's still some big, pretty big fish sitting out there that need to sign somewhere. So I think it just it kind of it gets that going, you know, and and I like the fact, too, that we've got dates that are coming up pretty quickly. I mean, we're not going to have to wait a long time to get spring training baseball. I don't think we're going to have to wait a long time for a lot of these signings to happen. So I think just a matter of knowing where guys are going and, and that and that DH being a thing, I think those are the two main things that change. But overall, not a lot of huge changes. Just glad that you know we finally have something that we we have closure on it. It seems like it's something that was you know I was I was listening to it on the way home today, and it didn't sound like when they started to vote on it that it was really going to pass. It didn't sound too optimistic. And I got out of the car one of my uh, ill-fated mall trip there, and I came back out to the car, and lo and behold, we had baseball. So it was kind of cool to to finally hear that we have an ending and we have uh, guys getting on the field pretty soon. Yeah, I don't think a lot will really change beyond, of course, what Ron said. The DH thing I think is huge in that we have some more players to look at and potentially draft. And that's the other thing is kind of scrambling to keep up with all the news as people start drafting too. Uh, Because this is going to be a real windfall of transactions and it's going to happen and have to happen really quick so teams can get ready for the season. And yeah, it's going to be pure anarchy for at least a couple of weeks. And even then, I think up until opening day, it's going to be pretty crazy. So I think, I mean, you guys covered the universal DH. That's a big deal. Like Will Smith, for example, when we talk catchers, he might be the number one catcher in baseball to me now because I think he'll DH a little bit. And I think that'll help keep him healthy and perform. So you have to react to that appropriately. I think... They do, from the last I heard, plan on playing a full 162-game yeah. season, maybe doubleheaders, maybe whatever, adjusting the schedule. That means, to me, number one, I think pitchers are going to ra- have to ramp up a lot quicker than they expected. So maybe pitching's going to be pretty questionable early on in the season. And if you're a savvy player in a wins league, if your league still does wins, 
you can kind of, you know, work the relief pitcher schedule and hopefully have a, a bit of a boost there. But overall, because the season's the same length, not much changes for me like I thought. Like, for example, Eric Cross, friend of the podcast, and who's the other one? Oh, uh, Chris from Baseball Pods, at Baseball Pods on Twitter. Give them a follow. Uh, we're talking about who would they rather have in the first round, Corbin Burns or Garrett Cole. Now, Chris was for Garrett Cole. Eric was for Corbin Burns. What I said at the outset of the season was I think I'd rather have Cole simply because he's eclipsed 200 innings in his career, and I think he'll be more than capable of doing that, whereas Burns never has. I think 170-whatever was his his max, and there's a chance he could get more, but I think you're going to get less innings. After the news came out that the season was delayed, I was like, well, maybe I like Burns a little bit more because they're not going to play as many games, so Cole can't get that big benefit with innings, but that's not the case now. So we've done a couple of different uh, seesaw motions here with this, (laughs) and I don't know if there's necessarily a right way to treat it, but we will know there will be one after the season when we look back. But going into it, your guess is as good as mine as far as that, and I think you just need to do the individual player evaluations like you normally do. So there we go. On that note, let's get into the outfielders. Once again, we talked the top 20 on our last show. We're talking the next however many we get to. We'll lump these guys into groups of, say, three, and we can discuss the ones we like, uh, You know what we feel about drafting their slot and that sort of thing. And then when we're finished, we'll talk best buys overall, favorite picks in the top 20, favorite picks outside of the top 20, so on and so forth. So let's That's get into lump it. lump some guys. Lots of lumping going on here. <laughs> and maybe we could have... Oh boy, I just forgot his name. An on hell Zerpa award when we're all That's said That's very done. true. If anyone wants to hear more about on hell Zerpa, well, you're just going to have to subscribe to the Boo2 Inc. Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Boo2 Inc. Just a couple bucks a month or more. We'll get you access to bonus content, including bonus stuff from our sister podcast, The Dynasty Baseball Show, where we talk yeah. to Royals prospects this week. Okay. The number 21 outfielder on the board today is Tommy Edmond, and I guess I should preface this. This is all NFBC ADP for draft champions contests, which are like best ball leagues. They're not quite as fluid as a normal league might be. So anyway, the rankings are maybe a little bit different depending on your settings, but you get the idea. So Tommy Edmond, 21st overall, Ketel Marte at 22, and Brian Reynolds with the Pittsburgh Pirates is the 23rd overall outfielder. Let's toss it to our very own Brian, Brian Vaughn first. Of these three guys, does anyone stand out to you? Who do you like? Who do you dislike? Would you take them at these slots? Oh, and I guess I'll give you the actual ADP. Edmund <laughs> is at pick 80, Ketel Marte 87, and Brian Reynolds at 93. Yeah, well, I'll say one thing. My main takeaway from this grouping of three is I don't want Edmund at this cost whatsoever. I We've talked about him already, but some things have changed. One of them is the universal DH. I think it benefits him in some sense and that he can play more defense while someone else takes a break in DHs. So I think it maybe helps him get plate appearances and maybe ushers someone like Nolan Gorman in who can take some days at DH since he's still acclimating to second. But I don't, I just don't like Edmund as a hitter and he needs a lot of plate appearances to add those counting stats up and get those 25, 30 steals. I like Reynolds and Marte both as hitters. I think Marte's kind of sneaky. He's been so good when he's played and Reynolds now, I think we can just say he's just really good. He's cut his strikeout rate below 20%. He seems like a very dependable batting average guy. 
based on the low strikeout rate and the kind of contact he makes, he's extra strong in OBP leagues too. So Reynolds in a way is a rare outfielder who gives you solidity in categories you might not otherwise have. So I think out of these three, the the first two that you mentioned there, Marte and Edmund, I like them a lot more if I am using them as a middle infield spot because they do have that in a lot of leagues. They do have that eligibility. I'm not so much excited about putting them in my outfield. Maybe if it's a five outfield league, I'd be a little bit more okay with it. But the guy that I'm focusing on here is Brian Reynolds. Like you said, Brian, he's he, he's really good if you look at his stats. I mean, he's got a couple of really nice seasons there. Of course, the 2020 season, we're not really going to put too much into that. But it, the, the, the slash line is really nice for what he gives you. He does play in a, on a terrible team, so he's he, he's got that going for him. But at the same time, he you know he posted last season on that terrible team. He hit you 24 homers and scored you 90 runs and gave you 90 RBIs with a nice slash line. So that, that speaks to his talent right there. And he only has one year left on his contract, so it could be something where – you know, you might see the Pirates who figure to be out of it. You might see them deal him to some team that's that he could be hitting in the middle of a little bit better lineup, be in a little bit better situation. But I think of, uh, of at this price point at pick 93, I feel the most comfortable with my return of what I'm going to spend on Brian Reynolds. I like Brian Reynolds a lot. I think the big knock, of course, is that he's a pirate, so maybe the runs and RBI totals yeah. are a little bit lower than you'd expect. But he's just, like you said, Brian, a good hitter, a, just a good overall player, still 27 years old. So I think that you know, hitting 20-plus home runs, stealing a couple bases, and hitting 300 is certainly within reach because he can do it. He's done it. Yeah. I like Marte for the same reason. But go ahead, sorry. Do you see a little bit of like, uh, like a Michael Brantley-type quality in Brian Reynolds? Certainly, like maybe obviously a little bit less speed, but yeah. but like batting average is safe. Like I maybe he's not a th- safe three hundred bet like uh, Brantley was for so long, but I think he's a safe two ninety plus hitter, and that's essentially the same thing in this day and age. So yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, Marte's kind of a similar deal. I see him as a safe batting average hitter with some okay to good power. I think he has a little bit more power than Reynolds and could you know maybe hit you twenty five to thirty home runs if everything breaks right. I don't think he will do that. I will give him a lower home run total, but I do like him a little bit. The crazy thing is that he's just never stolen bases, and that's what we thought he could be, and he just simply won't do it, and I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But overall, yeah, I like those two. I'll stay away from Edmund for sure. Next up, we have 24th outfielder off the board, Dalton Varsho at pick 96 overall. J.D. Martinez is 25th at 97 overall. And finally, Cody Bellinger is the 100th overall pick and the 26th outfielder off the board. Now, these guys are kind of famous because this grouping doesn't really play outfield all that much. We've got (laughs) Varsho, who's a catcher, but who also can play a little bit in the outfield. And we'll have eligibility there, of course. J.D. Martinez is a DH, but he gets enough games in the outfield to qualify at the position. And then finally, Cody Bellinger. I guess he's a true outfielder now, but was a first baseman for a long time. Either way, Bellinger's coming off of injury and ineffectiveness last year. Martinez is, uh, well, the numbers went down a little bit, but he largely did just about what he does. And then Varsho is the guy who could really blow up this year. But Ron, tell us about these three. Does anyone stand out to you? Well, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, if you're wanting to go for the the upside type play, I mean, Dalton Varsho is a guy that I guess you could go with. But obviously, I like that catcher eligibility for him way more than I like that outfield eligibility. So I don't know if I'm going to take him here for that reason. J.D. Martinez, I think, is the guy if you want guaranteed production, if you want to be, you'd be able to bank on it. 
a guy that's going to get you 25 to 30 homers, 90 and 90. He's going to hit you for a nice slash line. And he's going to play 140 games plus. He's going to be in your lineup. So I think he's the surest thing here. Uh, I'd feel a little better because one of the things that we have in addition to the ADP is we have the range uh, of, of picks that, 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 that we've seen on these guys. And we see Cody Bellinger with the highest pick somebody has spent on him, 61, and the lowest, 129. I'd feel a little more comfortable with him at 129. I'd take a chance on him. But when you look at those last couple of seasons, man, they are really, really bad as far as just the amount of, uh, you know, we saw the, the strikeouts really ramp up last year. We hadn't really seen that for a long time. And so I, I, I'm not saying he can't bounce back. It's very, very possible. It's just something if I'm going to spend a pick in this range, I'm not going to spend it on Cody Bellinger. I'm going to let somebody else do that if they get some some nice stats out of him good for them but if he gets a little closer to that 129 I might be a little more apt to it but I think out of these three JD Martinez is the guy that I'm gonna probably go with more often than not I'm with you 100 percent because if I'm if I'm drafting Varsho it's for catcher reasons and I don't think he will be fitting into my draft plans with where his ADP is and as far as Bellinger goes I just you know you could take him here but you're flipping a coin there's not a way, I don't think, a way to really analyze what's happened and say, well, this is what I think he will for sure do going forward because to project something better means kind of a bit of an overhaul of what's been going on. I mean, his his swing is everything's off about his game offensively right now, even though obviously the talent level is as high as about anyone's when he's completely right with with himself. So... Martinez becomes a clear option here in this grouping because of what Ron said. He's going to play. He's going to hit 30 homers. He'll hit for a decent enough average. He's not in his full prime anymore, I don't think, but he's in the little roll off after it. Kind of like Paul Goldschmidt is like, you're still going to get 80% of the production or something like that. And he's only 34 years old. So yeah. I, when I think of JD Martinez, I think of like years. 38, but yeah, no 34. I something, I'm with you guys, particularly when it comes to Cody Bellinger, but I don't know. I feel like the raw talent is so good. Clearly, he was hurt last year. 2020, mm-hmm. we won a write-off, but now that we've got more 2020 production last year, it's harder to write that off. I don't know. I feel like he could be a league winner in a lot of ways, but it's hard to want to bank on that with your 100th overall pick. If I've got a team that I'm so set on players in the first 100 picks that... I know they're going to give me X production because they're steady. They're solid players who always do that. Maybe I'll take the shot on Bellinger here. But if I've got a bunch of risky players, I will happily take Martinez instead and be like, okay, I know exactly what this guy's going to do. Maybe the ceiling's not quite what it was, but overall, it'll be great. So I don't know. I like Bellinger, but it's really, really hard to overlook the last two seasons entirely. (laughs) Next up, pick 27 is Chris Bryant. He's pick 101. Christian Yelich is 28. He's pick 102. And Giancarlo Stanton, a.k.a. Mike himself, is the 29th outfielder off the board at pick 109. And we really talked Bryant a couple of times, particularly in the third base series. So go check that if you want to hear about him. But with Yelich and Christian, or Yelich and Christian, with Yelich and Stanton, Brian, do you like either of these guys at the slot? Obviously, Yelich is coming off an injury plague couple of seasons, and Stanton's coming off of largely a healthy season where he did what he does. But what do you think overall? This is another situation in which it's almost like J.D. Martinez and uh, Bellinger, Bellinger all over again when you when you look at Stanton and Yelich because Stanton's, I mean, he's battled injuries, but he's been more healthy than we would have assumed. 
And while he's only going to have that one 2017 where he hits 59 homers or whatever, he is still really dependable. I, I see him as a guy who now will hit 270 with 35 homers if he's playing the whole year. And man, Yelich, he hasn't fallen off as far as Bellinger in a lot of sense, but like the power's not there. The range of outcomes is just huge. And I can even see him having a down year and hitting 20 homers and stealing 10 bases, which is valuable. But I just, it's too big a question mark if I feel like I have a safe 35 homers sitting out there. Yeah, this is a really interesting three players because when you think about where these guys used to go, I mean, we talked about Yelich as a top five pick not that long ago. And it seems forever ago that we had that 2019 season with with those insane stats across the board where he gave you every single thing you could ask for. And I, I, I feel like, you know, he's, he's you know, like, kind of like you said, man, he could be a guy that's a league winner as well. I mean, with where you're getting him at, if you get anything close to that 2019 production, you get a respectable average and, and OBP. I mean, the OBP was still at 362 last year. It's just that 248 average. And just that, that the back mm-hmm. issues keep kind of cropping up. And, and that's one of the differences with Stanton. You know, we, we, you talked about his health, Brian. It, it was With Stanton, it's always some other different injury. It's not some nagging injury that he always has. Yeah. It's, it's, and he was kind of the king there for a while of just kind of freak things happening to him. But, in, you know, in, in addition to that, I mean, when you look at his health overall, 2017, 2018, 159 games, 158 games, had that 2020 season where he only, you know, we only played half the season, only played 18 in 2019, but then he was right back last year with 139 games. And the thing about him that stood out to me the most is he's only 32. To me, he seems way older. I know. Than that. He seems like he's been around forever. So you know, he, you know, obviously he hits in a great lineup. So I think I, I don't know if I fully trust a lot of these guys here, but I think Stanton is probably the the surest thing. I didn't know if I would ever ever say that, but I think <laughs> if you want to try to just swing for the fences here i think if you can get maybe 130 games out of yelich and get something close to 2019 i think he could definitely be a difference maker i pretty much agree with you guys yelich is awesome but it sure doesn't look that great and at this point with stanton i think unlike martinez if stanton comes out and hits 50 home runs this year because he gets a full season it wouldn't shock me if martinez does it jd martinez i'd be like wow he had a career year at this point that's crazy so i think i like stanton the most at this slot and certainly he's going a little bit later than those guys i think he's awesome and again he's healthier now so 35 home runs last year 579 plate appearances that would be 40 and 650 plate appearances and he's not going to kill you in batting average I think you said Brian 270 hitter. That's exactly what he is. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like Stanton a lot here. And there we go. So let's move on to the next grouping here. We have Miles Straw, the 30th outfielder off the board for the Guardians now. Pick 112. Jesse Blinker himself, fan <laughs> favorite. Jesse mm-hmm. Blinker, 31st outfielder off the board, 113. And Ryan Mountcastle, 31st or 32nd outfielder off the board at pick 116 overall. Let's go to Ron first on this one. Straw, of course, is... Not a great hitter, but sure does have a starting job and is fast. Right, Ron? But does that make it worth enough for you to buy him? And then Winker is, of course, can't hit lefties, but hits well when he does play against uh, righties and if he's healthy and so on and so forth. And then, of course, Ryan Mountcastle, the right-handed power hitter from the Orioles at 255, 33 home runs last year. What do you think? I, I think with with each of these three guys, when you get to this point, it just, and I and I know you could make this argument about about any any group of three that we're going to go with here, but I think it just kind of depends upon 
what your team looks like at this point. And I, I'm definitely a Miles Straw fan. I know he doesn't give you a lot other than stolen bases, and I know you know that that Guardians lineup could be a little shaky. But when I'm looking at at, at pick number, let's see where he's at here, number 97, 112, wherever he's going, he's all been all the way down to 134. There's not a lot of places I'm going to be able to snag 30 steals in this draft. And so if you're if you're light on stolen bases, I think you got to pull the trigger at this point. If you need some pop, Ryan Mountcastle, if you want to try to get a little bit of both, go go with Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker is just a guy that I don't find myself with a lot of shares of, and I don't know if my drafts just don't shake out that way or, or, or what exactly it is. I, I do like the the first base and outfield eligibility that Ryan Mountcastle does give you, so you, you have a little flexibility there, a little bit more pop there as well. But I, I, I think, like I said, it just depends upon what you're doing. But I, I, I think my favorite guy at least is – uh, like I said, Miles Straw with the, the stolen bases and, and the and the respectable slash line that he's going to give you. You're not going to be able to find that a lot of places. Plus, he's probably going to give you close to 90 runs. I'll like him a lot more if they keep Jose Ramirez around. So it'll be interesting to see now that we have baseball back what they do with Jose Ramirez. This is definitely, I'm with you, this is a team construction section here. I, I haven't really pulled that card. I'm, I'm playing that thing now, though, because none of these guys are necessarily ideal. Winker's probably closest in terms of I can see him providing four categories for you. He's not going to run, but he can get on base and you know hit 20, 25 homers, score some runs, drive some runs in. But yeah, if you need steals, I mean, I, I don't love Straw as a player, but if you need him and he's available here, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me. And Mount Castle's a guy that I think we talked about this and when we covered first base – but his profile as a hitter has never been one that's excited me because I don't think it's one that lends to him hitting for much average uh, and doing much other than kind of like hitting empty home runs. Totally fair there. Now, what I'll say is Miles Straw is kind of doing the thing that Adalberto Mondesi did with the Royals for years and that the Royals are a terrible baseball team. They just don't have anything to replace him with. Yeah. So therefore it's at the top of the lineup day in and day out. So I think that's what straw has going for him with Cleveland. There is nothing in that outfield. He is the defense for Cleveland in the outfield. Therefore he's going to play every day. Therefore he's going to bat near the top of the order likely. And he'll steal those bases and provide fantasy value. The problem is and more so with Straw because he's an older player who has used up some arbitration and all that stuff. He could easily be traded somewhere where he isn't what he is to Cleveland, and suddenly he's batting eighth in the order and playing four out of seven days of the week, whatever it may be. And then your stats are really going to take a hit because of where you're picking here in almost the top 100 players. But I think Cleveland will hold on to him. And I think if that's the case, then he's a totally a fine buy here. I'm just not at all excited to do it, but I completely understand. You're why. right, though. He could easily turn into somebody's like Jared Dyson. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, moving on to the next group of three here. We have the 33rd outfielder off the board. It's Mitch the Snitch himself, Mitch Hanniger, with the Mariners, pick 119 overall. Trent Grisham is 34th outfielder at pick 127. And Jared Kelnick is the 35th outfielder, also of Seattle, at pick 132 overall. I think we're back to Brian first on this one, I believe. What do you think of these three guys here? Oh, this is a tricky little grouping. And we're we're seeing now as we get into this this section of outfielders, they all have something to offer, but they all come with question marks. Hanniger, on the surface, it, it looks like, wow, he had 39 homers, drove in 100 runs, scored 110. 
He did that while being worse at everything than he's ever been in his career, hitting 253, 318, 485. We've always seen him be better than that. So I'm actually not concerned. I think he'll get his approach back on track and keep his counting stats up. There's no stolen base upside left. I don't particularly know that he's going to hit for a whole lot of average, but there is certainly power there. But you're not going to see a guy slug 485 and hit 39 homers all that often, for instance. But Kellenic to me, is a much, much, much less proven Yelich-Bellinger situation. Just too many question marks for me to figure out and draft in this spot. Grisham, you know, he has that 15-15 type upside, but I don't think... He was going really high last year in drafts, I felt like, coming into the season. And I think we now know, okay, the ceiling is a little lower than maybe we thought before. This isn't a guy who's going to go 30-20 or anything like that, I don't think. But he does offer you a little bit of everything. Yeah, this is this is probably one of the, the trickier ones that we've talked about. And I, I, I'm with you on Jared Kelenic there. And not to say that I don't think that that upside is going to show itself. And I think that he's going to be a really good player because he is. But he is only 22. And it's something that if I'm drafting in a in a, a redraft league, I'm not going to take that chance here. I, I'm, I'm going to go with something that's a little bit more of a known commodity. I'm okay with Mitch Mitch Hanniger, but I, I think my my favorite guy here is is Trent Grisham for the the fact that he does have the like you said, Brian, the fifteen fifteen upside. About a two hundred and fifty hitter, OBP in the three thirties. I think there's a little bit of potential for a little bit more in the homer and, and stolen base side, just because I, I think he's going to hit in at the top of that that Padres lineup. Uh, and we, we know the bats that they have in the middle of that order, so he's going to be able to be a, a, a run scorer as well. He's going to set the table a little bit. And I think he's a guy, too, that the universal DH helps out a little bit because I know he lost some starts to some other guys in, in that lineup and in the outfield. And, and so we'll see what happens there. But I think that he's got a, a little more sure shot as far as being in the lineup every day. And if he's sitting at the top of that Padres lineup, I do like him a lot. I think – I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but – Grisham last year, of course, like Brian said, did come in with a lot of helium on the season and he got hurt and he missed some time. And very, very clearly he, and he he said this, he was dealing with the injuries all throughout the season. But towards the end of the year, when he came back from a bit of an injury stint, started to hit a lot better. And I typically discount late season resurgences like that because you're facing garbage pitchers, particularly if it's in September. But I kind of buy it. I think he was hurt. I think the Padres like what they have here. I think they'll put him right back at the top of that order. And if he's healthy, I think he could provide some really good uh, value here. So I actually do like uh, Grisham a little bit here. Kelnick, we've talked on the show before, but until they ban the shift, which apparently might be happening next oh, season, boy. I don't want anything to do with Kelnick. He pulled the ball so much. He struck out way, 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 way too much until late in the season when, again, facing kind of crappy pitching. And I just don't see the huge monster season that a lot of prospect towns think he's going to have this year. I think he'll have a great career, and I think he will eventually get to be a good hitter. But everything points to the fact that he can't touch a curveball, can't touch a slider, that the batting average is going to be a risk for him going forward. So I know it's exciting, but I will pass on Jared Kelnick, particularly at this slot. And I think Hanniger's good. I think if you just want the power and maybe can suffer a little bit of lower batting average, great. He's going to be a perfect fit. Let's see. Next up, pick 36, we have Kyle Schwarber. Of course, does not have a team right now. He's 134 overall. 
Chris Taylor's the 37th outfielder at pick 138 overall. And Akil Badu is the 38th outfielder, of course, with Detroit off the board at pick 146. I think we're to Ron first on this one. Any of these three tickle your fancy, Ron? I don't know if I'd go that far, but there's a couple of inter- <laughs> a little bit of intrigue here. I'm just not a Chris Taylor guy. I do like that multi-position eligibility, but he's just not a guy that I'm drafting, not a guy that I can buy all in on and and trust what we've got there. Uh, you know, we mentioned Kyle Schwarber with the fact that the you know the DH is is everywhere and it's going to open up a little bit more of a market for him. Uh, so I think he's probably my my favorite pick here. I mean, he's he's shown a little bit. As far as improvement in the batting average, we, you know, we, we know he's an OBP guy. We know he's got the pop. Only going to be 29 years old. So I think he's probably my favorite right here. But I, also, I wouldn't be all that upset with getting Akil Badu here either. You know, the only thing that I question a little bit with him is I don't know how good that Tigers lineup is going to be. Of course, they got Javi Baez there. We'll, we'll see if Spencer Trollkelson becomes a fixture in the middle of that lineup. But 461 plate appearances last year. You got 13 homers and 18 stolen bases out of Akil Badu. But it seems like a lot of that production, if I remember correctly, was was in like the first couple weeks of the season where he was just absolutely on fire. So we got to see a little bit more of that sustained over the course of a season. But I'd be okay with him here just for that that little, you know, he's he's got that that got that twenty twenty potential. I think at the top of that lineup. Yeah. So when uh, Van, when you opened this by describing Chris Taylor as the thirty seventh outfielder. That could be a, like a baseball reference nickname for the guy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's a good one, he's, yeah. He's fine. He he fits in kind of at multiple positions, but I, I, I just never wind up with him on teams because there's limited upside, and while he does find it bats, he's, you know, you know there's just not a lot you're getting fantasy-wise. Akil Badu, I was talking kind of turds on him last year when he started off hot, but there are things to like. The approach is pretty good, and he does have a little bit of power and speed. I think that could be an upside play around here. But, you know, I I don't know if I'll wind up with them. It's another one of those cases where sometimes I think I'll get a player because I do like some things about him, and then I just come to that position and I, I say, no, I'll take Kyle Schwarber because he signed with the Rockies or whatever the situation might be. But... Uh, that's the thing about Schwarber in this spot. I think it's fine regardless, but I don't, you you never know with a player who's not known for being able to play defense. They might be in a more limited role than you prefer. Uh, you might want to see where they land. I don't want anything to do with Badu, and I think that's going to make a lot of people like throw rage just like oh, how dare you talk bad they about might be Akil mad mad do about <laughs> you not wanting bad do i just i think the tigers kind of just did they used what they had last year i don't think they have a lot of faith in him i think the strikeout rate is probably just a little too bad i don't necessarily buy the speed being as good as it is i don't buy the power being even as quote as good as it was last year 13 homers and 461 plate appearances. I think the batting average could take another hit. I just think that the Tigers think they're going to be competing quickly. And so, therefore, deploying Badu would be best served if he's your 7-8 hitter. I don't think they trust him as their number one guy. So, it's just a a profile that I think I'm going to avoid there. Taylor, yeah, I don't have a lot to add. I I think he continues producing every year, but it's not exciting. I guess if you need the positional versatility, it is certainly here, and that could be a benefit to you. But He's also a Dodger, and they could Dodger him, and suddenly he only mm-hmm. plays 450 plate appearances instead of 582 like he had last year. 
And then Schwarber, I think this is kind of a buying opportunity right now. And in fact, now that the CBA has been signed and we have the universal DH, I think we'll see his costs going up because I think he will have a job somewhere as a DH. And, mm, you know, I said it's a buying opportunity, but I also don't trust him a whole lot, if that makes sense. So I think it's an okay opportunity here. But ultimately, if he jumps 40 picks, I don't want anything to do with him at that point. Which I think might happen now. That just because of the universal DH thing, I think it's natural. Even if he doesn't have a team, them. I could yeah, see it happening. For I sure. could too. All right, so let's move on. 39, we have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's going to pick 146. Austin Meadows is the 40th outfielder at pick 153. And Avisael Garcia is the 41st outfielder at pick 163 overall. Ryan, do you like any of these guys more or less than the others? Well, they're not the most exciting group. Avasail Garcia is always a guy who I, I I don't know if I've ever had him on a team. And he's had some really nice seasons. But I, I just always find myself thinking I have a more enticing upside option around this section. Austin Meadows is a guy who I really liked going into last year. And he struggled a lot, but he actually made some progress. He cut his strikeout rate down to around 20%, which I know I think a lot of us assumed if he did that, he'd be a star. Uh, it didn't really work out that way. He still walked around 10% of the time. His BABIP was 50 p- points below his career average, so that contributed to him hitting 230 a little bit. I think more realistically, though, he could settle into being a guy with like, a 250 average and 30 homers, solid OBP. I don't know if he's going to run anymore, but I do think he's kind of a sneaky pick back here because he did have about as bad of luck as you could have and still be sort of useful last year. And uh, who is the third player we're talking about in this section? Did you talk Gurriel? I wasn't listening. Yeah, I didn't, but uh, well, that's fair. I hope <laughs> someone is, but... No, but uh, Gurriel is kind of a mystery because we were talking about Grisham earlier, and I feel kind of similar similarly about Gurriel, who seemed to be drafted pretty high last year, and then when he didn't produce as expected, has really fallen pretty far. And this maybe is a buying opportunity on Gurriel. I think this is the first stretch of, of three players in the outfield that we've talked about that I'd actually be okay with any of the three on my team. And, and and you get a little bit of the same with with all of them, I think, as far as from the stats you're going to get. I think you get a little bit less power with Lourdes Gurriel, but you, you get a little bit more batting average than you're going to get from the other two. And like you said, Brian, Abacel Garcia has had some really sneaky good seasons. You know, last year, 29 homers, 262 average, 330 OBP. Um, if I've got to pick a favorite here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be my guy, Austin Meadows, just because I'm going to go full-on homer with this one. But I think there is a little bit of a room for improvement. I think he's a pretty pretty much locked for 25 to 30 homers. Uh, you know, he hit a, drove in 100 RBIs last year, something he's never done before. And it's a little bit deceiving when you look at the batting average there. But like you said, Brian, with that 249 BABIP, there's no way he can have a BABIP that low two years in a row. And I love the fact that he cut the strikeouts down. So if he can put the strike, keep the strikeouts down, add maybe – you know, tw- even if he adds 20 points to that BABIP, I think we're going to see the average come up. And so I think there's a lot to like there. And I think he, can, I think he's going to give you more steals than you think, but uh, definitely more than the four last year. But I don't think we need to get crazy with the stolen base totals, maybe seven or eight if, if, if we're lucky. But he's probably my favorite of the three, but I wouldn't be too upset with any of them, to be honest. I think of these three, Gurriel might be my favorite because we have seen 
over the last couple of years, the flashes of when he's healthy and when things are going right, he's awesome. He gets 290 with a ton of power. Makes and, you say, oh, Lordus. Oh, Lordus. Lordus above. <laughs> but with Meadows, I think we're done saying he can ever hit left-handers. He just simply can't do it at this point, which is kind of like Jesse Winker we talked earlier. However, Meadows clearly can be a good player, even being used just in that manner. And then Garcia is awesome. I think he's probably the one who steals the most of these guys because I do think he can get up to double digits, maybe 10 if possible. And maybe Meadows can get to that, but I'm not quite as confident in it. However, I do think the true upside play here is Gurriel because I think if everything clicks, you're going to get batting average. You're going to get a tiny bit of speed. You're going to get some good home run power, and he's going to be on a really good offensive team, so he'll have runs in RBI as well. Now, that said, that's the one I would take the shot on. I'm not confident it's going to happen because we've, in addition to having two bouts of him having these huge, great stretches, he's also had several bouts of really terrible stretches, and maybe they're injury-based, maybe not. But overall, I think that's the way I would lean of this triplicate. Now's a good time to go ahead and take a quick break, so let's do that, and then we'll continue discussing outfielders on the Nasty Cast. Nasty. Sister, Welcome back to the show. I'm Van Lee alongside Ron Rigney and Brian Vaughn, and we're talking outfielders. We're up to number 42 on the list. It's Alex Verdugo, Flex Verdugo himself, pick 164 overall. Eddie Rosario is the 43rd outfielder off the board at pick 165. And then finally, Hunter Renfro is the 44th outfielder off the board at pick 170. Who would be first? Who wants to go first? I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. Sure. What do you think of these three guys? So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Renfro, who, you know, can hit some homers. Rosario, who also can hit some homers. These are guys who kind of bounce around throughout the season. And some years they're not as good as other years and those sorts of things. They have their power uses. But I will say this as far as Alex Verdugo. I... You know, I want Alex Verdugo to be good because I I like the swing. I think there's a lot to like about him as a hitter, but he's got to start showing some power at some point. And I'm not saying I I would not draft him here, I don't think, but I think as he kind of ages up into his 20s, there is a chance he he sort of starts to catch that. And if he were to hit 20 to 25 homers a year, I think the rest of his production would line up too, so... I think that's where most of the upside lies in this grouping. Yeah, there's not really a guy here that I really feel good about having on my team. No. <laughs> you know, Verdugo, I guess. But like you said, Brian, you're not getting a lot of power here. The slash line's not going to be bad. It's in a pretty good lineup, so there's, there's you know, hope of counting stats there. To me, this seems a little high for Eddie Rosario and Hunter Renfro. I don't think that 165, 170... I can look in this in the in the the groupings that we got coming later on, and I can find a couple guys I'd rather wait on and, and get as an outfielder here. So not really a whole lot to get excited about. Eddie Rosario doesn't have a team yet, and Hunter Renfro, you're, Renfro, you're pretty much guaranteed one thing. You're getting some homers, which I guess if your team calls for that, I guess that's okay. Should be okay hitting in Milwaukee's lineup, hitting in that park, but I, I don't think I'm going to be drafting an outfielder in this range if I don't have to. I think I'll push back slightly against Eddie Rosario. I think if he were on a team and a team that we said, okay, it's a reasonable offensive spot, I think 
he's been so consistent after after so many years, minus last year where he was clearly hurt, just had 412 plate appearances, 14 home runs, but he did steal 11 bases. And I think ultimately you're looking at a 260 hitter with good power, a couple of steals, and a guy who's going to drive in a bunch of runs. And I think that's perfectly acceptable at this point. I think if he had a team, maybe he'd going, be going a little bit higher. I do agree with Verdugo. He's just not a fantasy-friendly player. The runs scored are really what you're getting out of him here for a good Boston lineup. But even that said, 604 plate appearances, 88 runs. So it wasn't 110 or something absurd like that. So I do think that there's maybe a little value. Maybe he helps you in batting average, score some runs. But he doesn't have enough power or speed to really help in those regards. And then Renfro, I'm just not really that interested in. So let's move on to the next grouping. We have Dylan Carlson, 45th outfielder off the board, pick 172. Robbie Grossman, 46th at 174. And Adolis Garcia, former Cardinal, 47th outfielder off the board at pick 176. We're to Ron first on this one. Any of these three guys stand out to you as someone you like? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, this is another group of three that I'm really, I'm probably even less in on these three than I was the other three that we just talked about. I guess if if I'm in this range, I'm probably going to take a, a swing at Dylan Carlson and go for the upside here. I mean, you know, he's the same age as Jared Kelenic, was a little bit more consistent last year. Took him a lot of plate appearances to get those 18 homers, but I, overall for a guy that young, 266, 343, 437, struck out a little little bit too much. Hopefully that comes down a little bit. We'll we'll see hopefully another another you know a little bit more seasoning and we we see a little bit more consistency at the plate. But I think I think as far as as what I see at this at this range, yet again, if I'm not going to have to draft the guy here in my outfield, I don't really want to. You know, we talked about Adolis Garcia last year and how all his stats basically came in like the first couple months of the season. And I, I mean, I guess Robbie Grossman, if you if you need a guy, he's kind of a guy that's there. I guess <laughs> that's about it. But I guess I'm going to take a swing at Dylan Carlson out of this group of three. Yeah, this is not a great grouping. I want nothing to do with Garcia, who was just empty power if he's anything, and he's probably not. Carlson had a really nice real baseball season and progression, but in terms of fantasy, I think even the upside you're looking at is probably like 280 with 20 or 25 homers. And since he's not running, which is something we thought he might do in the minors, which, you know, better real-life player than fantasy – and Grossman is interesting. If you're in an OBP league, it should be noted, he has a career 352 OBP, which is really solid. I know he doesn't hit for average, but if you got a guy who went 2020 and you're in an OBP league, he actually is pretty useful. I'm all in on Robbie Grossman. Well, maybe not all in. I like Robbie Grossman because of the point you just made, Brian, he does walk a lot. He always has a good OBP, which means he has immense value to a real baseball team which means he's going to play at a good spot in the lineup. He's going to hit second most of last year, which I think he'll continue doing. And he has power and speed. So 23 homers, 20 steals last year, 671 plate appearances. Most of the projection system says a 15-15 guy with a little bit of bonuses here and there, and I buy that. And I think getting those steals at this point in the draft for someone who isn't going to absolutely kill your average, I think he's going to hit 240, like he always does, and may hit 250. I think that's a big buy and again, all the walks means a lot of runs. So I think the Tigers are committed to using Robbie Grossman how he should be used, which is batting second in a lineup and maybe relying on some of your other hitters at the third and fourth hole to drive in players. And anyway, I like Robbie Grossman here. Not much to add with Carlson and then Garcia. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him. Or uh, 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 what the hell is his name? I'm just blanking on his name. Yeah, was- Garcia. 
Garcia, yeah, D- Dolis Garcia. I pulled up Avasail again. I'm like, wait, I like Avasail. <laughs> wait, I would no, take Adolis. him here. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anything to do with Adolis. He can't walk, and I think he's probably going to be in the minors halfway through the season, or at least uh, on the bench in some capacity. Next up, we have pick 48, 48th outfielder Andrew Benintendi with 181 overall. 49 is comrade Kirilov himself, Alex Kirilov. He is going with pick 188. And then finally, Ian Happ is the 50th outfielder off the board at pick 188 as well. Brian, I think you're up first. What do you think of these guys? Hey, I like this group as far as the upside it holds. Benintendi got a lot better as the season went along. The power started to show up a little bit. Uh, and he did steal eight bases again. So I don't think he's ever going to be what I once hoped he would be like back in the 2017, 2018 days when he was like 22 and being really solid. And I thought he would get better, but I think there's totally a chance. He's a guy who, uh, has a plus average, you know, it's better than most and goes 2010 or something like that. I think that's definitely within his capabilities. Uh, and that certainly has value back here. Kirilov's another guy I like because he battled hand stuff as a hitter and held his own in his first try at the majors. I think if he has a job and he's getting played appearances, I think that, you know, we all loved him as a prospect and the kind of hitter he could be. That all still stands, provided that he's healthy. And then Ian Happ, that is another guy who I'm just always going to like because there's so much to like when you look at the skill set that he has. He's another guy the Cubs, who have kind of really switched things up with their roster, could plant near the top of a lineup theoretically because of the walk rate. Of course, he strikes out a lot, but the hope here is that you get the 25 to 30 home runs that he's been providing, uh, or that he's provided a couple of times, and that you you hope that becomes the staple. He also did steal nine bases last year, which down here is something to take note of. Yeah, not, not a bad group for, for the, the price you're paying here, but I think my favorite out of the, the three is going to be Ben Intendi because I think he's going to help you the most across the board. He's going to contribute in just about every category. He's not going to really hurt you anywhere. The, I like to see the OBP a little bit higher, but I, I, I think that, you know, kind of like you said, Brian, once we've kind of forgotten about him with that lofty, you know, potential that we had or, or expectation, I should say, that we had for him coming out and, you know, being an all-world player, and, and kind of taking him for what he is and, and, and getting him at this point in your draft, you know, like you said, with half with the steals, you know, you're getting a few here. You could be potentially getting double digits here. You could be getting 20 homers. And, and, and there's really not anything that you don't like here, especially when you're drafting the guy with pick 181. But Kirilov, the upside, if you want to bet on the upside a little bit, you know, former top prospect, I have no, no, no problem with that. And then Ian Happ, you're getting homers, you're getting steals. Just not going to give you too much in the way of batting average. Uh, and, and maybe that, that OBP will take a little bounce back. That 323 OBP, I, I don't think that's what, what he really is. I think he's more cl- he's closer to that 340, 345. So I think the only place he's not going to help you is batting average, but I think Ben Intendi is probably my favorite. And, and I, I'd say Kirilov and Hap, I'm, I'm good with either one for various reasons. I don't disagree very much here. I guess what I'd say with Ben Intendi is he feels like a risky version of Robbie Grossman. And that maybe you're going to have the more batting average. I think you just simply will have better batting average. But as far as power speed goes, maybe he reverts a little bit from his production last year and gets back to 2019, 2020 production, and he hits 10 homers and steals 10 bases. And that's certainly still a little bit more useful, but you want the 2020 out of him if you get it, or 2015, whatever it may be. So it's risky, 
Plus, he plays for the Royals, which are a bad team. But overall, I do see it, and I think it's a fine risk that I would take at that point. The Let's Royals do one got more. Zerpa, though. What about Zerpa? We should draft him at some point in this league. What's his ADP going for? I wonder one. what kind of league you'd need to be in. To draft Zerpa? To draft him. I'm not saying not like stream a him a couple times, but like draft him. Um, Maybe that's four sheet league Ron's in? If, if, yeah. you're, if you're a savvy player, it just needs to be a baseball league of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do one more grouping and then we'll get into our overall stuff. We've got pick 51. It's Joey Gallo. He's at 194 overall in the ADP. 52 is Michael Conforto. He's at 195. And then finally, Marcel Ozuna is the 53rd outfielder off the board at pick 200 overall. So we're looking at a bunch of power with Gallo. Uh, who knows what with Conforto. And then, of course, some star potential, but also some very questionable decision-making by Marcel Ozuna. So who's up first, Ron or Brian? I can't remember. Um, you know what? I've got no idea, so I'll just start talking. Do it. Jo- Joey Gallo, you mentioned it earlier, Van, uh, when we were t- we were talking about, uh, I believe it was actually on the Dynasty show, you mentioned fly ball and home run rate in relation to Joey Gallo and how Joey Gallo also hits 199. Well, that's all still going on. That's what Joey Gallo is, so you kind of know what you have there. If you need a bunch of home runs or you're in an OBP league and can stomach it, he's there. Conforto battled injuries a lot and has been a really dependable outfielder. I I think he's kind of at a discount here, so I like that pick fine. And Ozuna's kind of, you know, that's another big question mark one for me because I just don't even really know what to expect. And the price is low enough that maybe you can take that risk here. But we're only a couple of years removed from, as you said, Van, him being kind of a real middle-of-the-order threat. And then a bad season, and then, as you said, off-field troubles and, and questionable decision-making. So, uh, you know, if if I was looking to, if I had a really good team and wanted to take a shot, I think Ozuna might be the guy here in that regard. I feel a lot safer with Conforto than I do with the other two. Yeah, not not a lot to add there. I think I think it just, you know, yet again, it depends on what you're looking for. You know, you're getting homers and OBP with Gallo and runs batted in. And Fordo, I think he's gonna, we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back, and and you know he's he's had a couple of years there in, in the past where he was way healthier than than what he was last year, and you've seen you know between twenty five and thirty homers, you've seen the batting average has kind of been all over the place, so that's the one that's kind of hard to predict because you know he's gone from you know two twenty to two seventy nine, two forty three, over three hundred in, in in the shortened season, so I, I think that's that's kind of the hardest one to predict. Uh, and and I think you know Marcelo Zuna. It, it looks like he's facing what is it a twenty game suspension? Well, he was he was told to be he was given a twenty game suspension, but he's already served it. So no okay. matter what, he's he can just go if okay. a team signs right. him or, or the Braves play him or whatever. Okay, and and, and, and Conforto's also a free agent, correct? Is it? Yes. Yeah. So and 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 these these could be another couple guys too that could benefit from the DH as well. So we'll we'll see how that how that affects them, but. I'm not really super down on any of these guys, but I'd say if it was coming down to a guy for me to t- take a stab at, I think I'd probably go with Conforto just because, kind of like I said with Benintendi, I think he's going to help me the most places across the board. I like Conforto as well. It's just been a bit, a hot minute, since we've seen him really produce at the level we thought he could. Hey, the 2020 season, but, you know, all caveats with that. What I want to say is Joey Gallo... When he was a guy who you thought, you squinted real hard and you thought maybe he could hit 235, 
that's when Joey Gallo was useful. Yeah. He is not that. He hit 199 this year. He hit 181 in 2020. Again, you can toss that out if you want. 253 in 2019. But uh, it was a short season in 2019. And before that, he hit 206, 209 before that. He is a 200 hitter. So I think if you're in a batting average league, you are simply actively harming yourself far more than getting the home runs will actually help you because I think there are other home run guys who are batting average risks that you could get 10 rounds after this that might, even in the worst season, hit 220. And I just don't see that happening with Gallo. So I I have no interest with him, and I just think it's a bad pick overall. Uh, Ozuna's probably the guy to me that, I hate saying this, is the upside of this group. And I think that if he can get back to even remotely close to what he did in, say, 2019 with power, eh, speed's probably not there, but a 240 to 250 to 260 batting average, then you could have some crazy, crazy high upside value here. And I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but there's apparently a lot of question marks surrounding his event. And we won't get necessarily too into the politics of it, but because he is a black man and how the police treated him, there's he was still violent towards his his girlfriend or wife and I'm not disputing that but there's question as to how violent he was and then we're getting into the semantics of it and it becomes a whole mess so I think if you're a person out there who says I will not draft them on principle great good for you I think that's probably the smart move but ultimately when we play this stupid game sometimes you have to deal with that and I don't know what the right answer is. Do you guys have any input on that as to because there are a lot of people out there who will say, if you're drafting Marcelo Zuna or Trevor Bauer, you're part of the problem. And I see it and I get it and I understand. But is there but can you sit back and say this is a game and we have to play the game? I think it's like the tough thing about it is whenever you know, like if if you're willfully participating in the like Let's make this, you know, and again, I don't know the details of Ozuna's case, but let me say a player who I know has done this or something like, oh, I'm going to use this abuser as part of my fun baseball game and tweet about when he does good on the Internet and and gain him more popularity. I can see how it can be viewed as a negative to be sort of participating in the proliferation of like that player. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I do definitely get that argument. It's de- it's one of those things for me too. Like I've thought about it a lot, and I have no idea. In pra- I, it's never really come up for me yet. But what in practice I would do if I felt like, oh, this is the smartest decision for me in this draft. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where, look, I mean, if I could take Conforto and be like, oh yeah, he'll provide just as much value. So it's not even like yeah. a. A huge upside play here, but that is. Yeah, an interesting I think take when on we that. get to starting pitchers, we will have a much more concrete yes. example to talk about. Anything to add, Ron? No, not really. It's just you know, it's one of, I compare it to you know musicians, for example. You know, you talk about the R. Kelly's and the Michael Jacksons of the world. Can you separate the art from the artist? I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. And you know, like you said, Brian, it is it is one thing when you draft this guy on your team to accumulate stats and. You know, you're you're praising them for something that they did, even though they could be a straight scumbag of a human being. So <laughs> I, I think it's something that it it, it just kind of depends on the person. I don't know. I I, I mean, if, if, but I I will say if it comes down to it, you know, kind of like kind of like you said, if you're you're looking at a couple of different guys that have similar stats, similar ADPs, and you know that you have that as as a red flag with one of the guys, I think I'm going to go with the guy with the better character, just because 
I think it just, I don't know, just me as a human being, I feel like that's just what I would do. But yeah. I mean, I also, I also too, you know, I, I guess I get, you know, like separating art from the, the art from the artist. I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's just, you know, everybody's different. And I think it just kind of depends upon, you know, comes down to who the person is doing the yeah, job. Yeah, and and like if it's in your gut, if you're like, ah, I don't really like how it feels drafting Marcelo Zuna, I think that gives you an answer too. <laughs> yeah. Of like, well, I shouldn't, you know, I this just feels weird. But you know, I think it's defensible even strategically what you said, Ron, to take a guy with better character. Better odds the guy stays on the field. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't get in any more trouble. Yeah. That sort of thing. So there you go. A little heavy moment from us here at the Nasty Cast. Let's play some fart sounds to make it all better. <laughs> so there you go that was what top 50 or so outfielders we're going to give you our choices for our best buys favorite picks in the top 20 outside the top 20 etc and just kind of give you an overall view of what we feel about the position so let's go with brian first we're gonna say let's say best buy overall for last so who was your favorite pick in the top 20 that we covered last brian let us go all the way back to the top 20 to a different word document to <laughs> to investigate <laughs> which picks Brian thought were the best. No, so inside the top 20, I uh these are all really expensive players. It's it's hard to find an answer for this, for sure. Yeah. And uh that was what really struck me looking back through it is all of it seems pretty fair, but that said, I thought Nick Castellanos was going at a pretty cheap price, same with George Springer on the back end of it. I also now we had talked about Ronald Acuna who now with the season being accelerated again, looks like he still will miss time, but I'm going to go with my ultimate favorite pick here being Mike Trout at pick 18. Yeah. Cause you know what he does if he plays. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to say Mike Trout as well. I actually did a, um, uh, best ball 10 with some of the guys from fantasy alarm the other night and, and mike trout was my i got him at the it was a 12 teamer and i think i picked him at pick 13 so a little bit higher than this but you know yet again it's it's one thing where i don't know that i've ever drafted mike trout before yeah and so that was kind of cool and, and the fact that i could get him that low at the turn there was kind of nice another guy that i think is kind of a sneaky good value here is uh, cedric mullins I mean, you're not getting him super cheap, but I think that he can fill the stat sheet for you. And I think that's a guy that not, I, I still think even though he is a, you know, there at pick 33, I still think he's a guy that people forget about. And I think that lineup could be a little bit better than what we think, to, you know, to kind of depends upon, you know, some of the other bats in there. And, and I'm kind of with you on Nick Cassianos too, there at pick 71. Dude is just a solid hitter, been a solid hitter for uh, a lot of years. And he'll, he'll find a good, good landing spot. You know, once we get this, uh, gets get the hot soap going. But I think at pick seventy one, he's a nice, nice add to your team. Definitely tricky to pick the best buys of these guys because of the huh. price. I said, uh, and I put question marks after both names I wrote down because to that point, it's like, is it really a great buy because it's the thirteenth overall pick or whatever? But I said uh, Bryce Harper. I really like him going around pick ten. I think he's going to continue to be awesome, like he always is. And then I also said George Springer a little bit later on. He was the 20th outfielder we discussed at pick 73. I think that's great. I think he's healthy, and I think he's going to go right back to being totally awesome. So let's look outside of the top 20, the guys we discussed today, and, of course, anyone past pick 50 or whatever we discussed. Who are your favorite picks outside of the top 20? Let's go to Ron first on this one. Anyone catch your eye? 
Yeah, there's a few. You know, we talked a lot about a lot of these guys. I still really like uh, Trent Grisham at 34. You know, I think there's a little bit of I think there's 2015 potential there. You know, you go down a little bit, little bit further. I, I got to go with my with my my homer pick here, Austin Meadows at 40. I think you know a lot of power potential there as well. I think we'll see a little bit of a bump in the average. I don't think the Babbitt's going to be as terrible. And let's scroll down a little bit about – let's look at some guys that we didn't necessarily cover. I had one that I really liked over on this other this other side here. And th- this is this is way down here. It's a guy that I added, I think, in a couple of leagues off of waivers last year and really paid some dividends for me at the end of the season. If you want to get really, really low on the list, Connor Joe for the Colorado Rockies – Hitting in Coors Field, if he can secure an outfield spot, I think he's a he's a, a nice little sleeper candidate to give you stats in a lot of different categories. And I think a guy right above him, a uh, guy that we were super high on a couple of years ago that's really fallen, has a little bit infield eligibility too, is Jeff McNeil for the Mets. If he can carve out an everyday role, I think you know he's like he's sitting there all the way down to pick three eighteen. I think he's a nice little bounce back if he can if he can get an everyday role in that lineup. Well, 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 outside the top 20, I actually kind of like, and, you know, we talked about this, but I like Giancarlo Stanton where he's at. And I like any of the, and same with J.D. Martinez, really getting a little bit of safety in that range when a lot of times you do need five outfielders, but going out to mention some players we didn't get a chance to talk about as much. Uh, Joe Adele is one I like, assuming he plays. I think he showed enough growth last year that the breakout potential's in there somewhere. And even a messy season could result in homers and steals for you. And he is going uh, as the 63rd outfielder off the board around 235. Another guy even further back, and he is not far removed from being like a pretty valuable outfielder, is Max Kepler, who is back there as the 76th outfielder uh, coming off the board around pick 280. And it's hard to remember now, but he's still only 29. And while last year was a little bit of a disaster, it was also, you know, everything went wrong that could have, and he was banged up. His last full season, he hit uh, only 252, which you expect. But it was with 36 homers, 98 runs, and 90 RBI. So you know what he can do, and that's a really cheap pick to get him i'll give you two names here the first name is the next player that we would have discussed if we'd kept going it's the 54th outfielder off the board jorge soler of course with atlanta last year 206th overall doesn't have a team but we all know the story of what happened to them he was really bad for the royals at the beginning of the year and then july 31st came around he was traded to atlanta and since then he hit 272 361 529 with 14 homers and just 240 plate appearances, had a big postseason, and obviously just overall put together a monster second half of the year. I think I kind of buy it. I think getting away from the Royals and getting to a real team, a team that maybe has some actual coaches and does some things right, might have helped him get back into the swing of things. He's never going to be a 272 hitter, but I think he could be better than 220, whatever his overall season line was, 223. I think if he gets back to 250, 240, then that immense power is going to really, really manifest and he'll give you a really good value. So I like him a lot there. And then a little bit later on down the list, we have the 64th outfielder off the board, Charlie Blackman at pick 238. Charlie! He has skateboarded right out of our hearts last year after the crappy season he had. He had just uh, 582 plate appearances, 
13 homers, three steals, 270, 351, 411. Had a mild groin strain that he says bothered him a little more than possibly could have uh, let on. Gotta wonder, overall, uh, gotta wonder what he was up to. <laughs> skateboarding, of course. But I think he's a bounce-back candidate because he plays for the Rockies. He has that long uh, contract that he'll be there for a bit longer. Well, I guess he had the player option. This is his last year, never mind. But Universal DH helps him out a lot. I think he'll play there a little bit. And I think prior to this season, even including this past season, he was as safe a bet as anybody to hit for a really good batting average. So I think there's a chance he hits 290 again, 290 plus, and he'll provide some power. And again, with the Rockies, he might just fart into 20 plus home runs again. So I like him at that slot. All right, let's shift to negativity here and talk about the worst value. And this can encompass, encompass, which is <laughs> Billy Gunn's version of it, anyone on this list. So let's go to Brian first. Who's the worst value that you saw here? Yeah, so Adalberto Mont. Oh wait, no, he's he's actually not on this list, is he? <laughs> Weird. Somehow he's been on every other list. Uh, no, I will go with a guy on that same team though, Whit Merrifield, uh, going around in the pick thirty range. To me, as he ages, there's too much risk for all of it, including the gaudy steal totals. Even though I understand the scarcity of steals at this point, he's a big one for me. I'm also terrified of Byron Buxton going to inside the top 60 because all the talent in the world, guy just doesn't stay healthy. Yeah, I hate to be a complete ripoff artist, but the one guy I wanted to focus on, Van, I'll need your help for this in post-production, is uh, Byron Buxton. I need you to play the Michael Jordan soundbite. Oh, Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe he's still going at, at that high at pick 56. I, I, I love the talent. I, I know the talent is in there, but the guy just cannot stay healthy, and it just cannot happen for him. I don't know why people are still doing that. And the, the only other one that I would maybe add to that list is, you know, you said Merrifield, so I, I agree with you there. I'm going to say Dalton Varsho as an outfielder. If I can get him as a catcher, cool, but I don't really want to pay pick 96 for him as much as I do love his upside at catcher. Uh, it, I got to see a little bit more at outfielder to be able to pay that for him and feel good about it. You guys covered quite a few. I liked Whit Merrifield's a big one. I guess if I want to talk early, early picks, Luis Roberts going a little too rich for my blood. I think the strikeouts are a little rough, even though they improved. And I just don't see a lot of batting average there. So I think taking him at pick, what is it, 16 overalls, just too rich for me. I don't have a problem necessarily if you got him in the first 20 or 30 or whatever, but I don't know. I just won't be doing it. And then I also wanted to talk Tyler O'Neill, who is the 15th outfielder going with pick 48. I don't understand it. Now, I get it. He hit a ton of home runs. He stole a bunch of bases. But there's no way in hell he can hit uh, a batting average again because he hit way, way nope. too high. I'm pulling it up now. Does either of you know what his batting average was off the top of your head? Last year, it was like a yeah. real one. It was like but 289 no, or something like yeah, that. 286. There's, there's That's just not no way. Ever again. No, no, no way. And I think people are, are doing taking that pick knowing that but i think they're expecting like 260 i don't know for a guy that strikes out 32 percent of the time i could see him hitting 220 and right now you're going with a what top 50 pick i just don't like that at i all. have him down in my notes of like what i expect him to do is hitting 240 and that's totally fair and that's <laughs> also a plus if he does that so yeah. there you go and then finally just tommy edmund 21st outfielder off the board 80 overall i don't think the cardinals like having tommy edmund hitting at the top of the lineup or playing every day. So I just don't think he will. And the GM has come out and said that. Mosaic 
said, you know, we've got a lot of guys that are going to shuffle in. Basically, someone asked him, how do you feel about Tommy Edmond here? And he waffled. So that tells me enough that. Well, yeah, and half the time anymore, you ask that guy a question and he's just like, I don't like that player. It's getting to be (laughs) where it's like he's just been there a while and it's frightening. That's true. He's getting, it's very much like Tony LaRusa's coming back and like stealing his essence. <laughs> and he's becoming Tony LaRusa in that he just says whatever he feels on his brain, even though you probably shouldn't be saying it from a PR perspective. Uh, real okay. quick, let me go ahead and just say Jared Kellenick at pick 130. Yeah. Also. Yeah. That's a rough one for all the reasons that we've said. Okay. Let's do it. Let's give our best buy overall. This is the number one outfielder that you like the most based on their pick. Let's see. Let's go with Ron first on this one. Who do you like? Um, this is this is tough. I mean, there's there's quite a few, but I th- I think I got to go back with Mike Trout. I mean, I'm expecting a bounce back if he's healthy at pick 18. You're potentially getting numbers that could rival the guys that are that are in the top five. So I think he's got to be the guy I go with. Well, since Mike Trout has been taken, I'm going to go a little bit more unconventionally, and I'm going to slide on down this list and I'm going to land on a, as you can tell, I'm, I'm vamping here to stall for time. Uh, no, it's Nick Castellanos. As a young boy, (laughs) I grew up and Nick Castellanos. Yeah, I'll go Castellanos. He's not a guy I have often, but like I'm starting to come around on the idea. I've always been a, let's get tools guys. And I, by that, I mean my tools of get on base and homers and steals but I'm not really, Benford power tools like Tim the Toolman Taylor might get. Uh, uh, uh. But I'm I've really uh, come around on kind of the stat sheet fillers like this in a time when it is easier to find home runs and when no one runs. <laughs> I actually really like Giancarlo Stanton where he's going. Pick one hundred nine. I think that's just a pretty safe bet for power runs and RBI. And I think people still have that idea of he's injury prone. So obviously I need to discount him for 400 plate appearances. And I just don't know that that necessarily holds any weight. So I like him there. And then I kind of went with what you did with Castellano, someone I said earlier, which was uh, George Springer, 20th outfielder off the board. Just really like George Springer. And I think he's going to be in a great lineup. And I think I'll line, wind up with a lot of George Springer uh, shares. He's going to pick 73 overall. And it's just a player I like. So there you go. That wraps up our outfielder episode. So I guess we have, what, uh, pitchers left? We have relief pitchers, starting pitchers. Maybe we'll talk DH in a show because, uh, of course, we will have universal DH this season. So a few still left to get through before we get into the kind of overall stuff. What I want to mention now is we want to do the Listener League again, and I'm going to set a date. I guess I'll set sort of a date. Looking at the calendar The season is supposed to start April 7th, so I say we do it the weekend before, which is April 1st, 2nd, 3rd, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Does that work for either of you off the top of your head? Oh, yeah. Seems great. So we're going to shoot for that. If you want to be in the Listener League, shoot me an email at butuinc at gmail.com. Of course, you can also reach us on Twitter. I'm at Manly Van Lee. Brian, you are? At Loud Guitar Brian. And Ron, you are? At The Real Mod A. M-A-D-A-Y, that's right. And of course, you can find the show at Nasty Cast Pod or our sister show, the Dynasty Baseball Show at Butu Dynasty, B-O-O-T-U. Just fig- pick one of these Twitter handles or that email address. Just shoot throw us a, message a letter saying, into the it. air and it'll hit us somehow. If you whisper to a nearby tree and then you <laughs> cut it down and you then use that tree to create a flute, when you play that flute, we will hear the words that you whispered to it. That's how you can get in touch with us. We'll get you. 
in the uh, the listener league, and we'll probably do something basic, but it'll be a fun little league, weekly lineups, that sort of thing. We do it every year. So I don't have anything else. Do you guys want to talk uh, your optimism for the upcoming baseball season now that we have one, or do you want to tell a story about one time you farted and you woke yourself up because of it? What do you think? I think maybe. Uh, well, first off, I uh, when I fart, it's always when I'm awake, to my knowledge. But you don't I, think you fart while you're asleep. I bet you fart a lot while you're asleep. I feel like my body is fine-tuned to know that that could turn into a worse emergency and to just shut that valve off when I'm catching the Z's. Okay, but that's I a could, fair. I could be wrong, too. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just glad we're going to get a full season, which sounds kind of specific, but I like when you get the full 162. You can look at the stats and they make sense. It's a simple pleasure. How about you, Ron? Do you fart while you're asleep? Uh, I've never stayed up to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say this and we'll get out of here. My girlfriend, Katie, that's the only time she does fart. When she's awake, she doesn't fart. You never she hear saves it. saves them. As soon as yeah. she falls asleep, it's like the floodgates have opened. And it's not like little farts. It's <laughs> like massive, devastating, like tsunamis Man, of farts. Bringing it. Welcome We're, to the Nasty Cast. <laughs> she's going to love this little Easter egg being at the end of the episode. Ah, she doesn't listen to the baseball ones, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so there you go. We'll be back next week with, uh, let's do relief pitchers. Get that out of the way, like a Band-Aid. Rip it off, and then we can talk starting pitchers the following couple of weeks. So for Ron and Brian, I'm Van Lee, and may the fantasy gods shine upon you. <laughs>